0: What's it like doing business with you? I would like to say I'm reasonable, unless something goes wrong. But if it, if you're going to damage my brand, which I call my baby, mm. well, I wouldn't like to. You wouldn't like to be on the receiving end of that?
1: The Architects of Business on Joe, in partnership with the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme, telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland. In the cutthroat world of workday lunchtime, one man has got the market sliced, diced and freshly chopped. This is the Architects of Business, Joe's weekly series of interviews with leading entrepreneurs. Our programme is made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. I'm Ty Genright, and today I'll be talking to Brian Lee, the man whose salad bars, freshly chopped, have transformed lunchboxes across the country. Brian's entrepreneurial spirit sprouted
0: at a young age. If I look back, I had my first business card at the age of 11. We sat with my friend, we were two lawnmowers, we went out and borrowed and bought money for so we were just at the grass cutting game now, but I don't see many young lads at it these days.
1: From the very beginning, he wanted freshly chopped customers to feel like they were buying from a
0: highly sophisticated retailer. I wanted to build it to look like a brand bigger than it actually was. It wasn't just Brian and Andy to set up this one one little store in Bagger Street. Now there are 50 stores, and Brian's not finished yet. If we cannot break into China, you can put a thousand, a thousand locations in China instead of 50, 60 stores in Ireland.
1: But while success and sacrifice often go hand in hand There's one thing on which Brian won't compromise
0: For me to give my child an hour before he goes to bed Is that really sacrificing that much? No
1: Brian, thanks a lot for coming in and talking to us um, I'm sure you've heard this joke loads of times before You've kind of broken one of Homer Simpson's golden rules Do you know what one I'm talking about? I have a feeling I know what's coming Go on you know it, don't you? Is it a Starbucks one? Well, it's that you don't make friends with salads. Oh, this one. Yeah, you've made a lot of friends with salads. A lot of people happy with salads, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good line. It is a good line. It is a good line. Why do you think you were kind of there at the crest of a, a wave, as it were, in terms of
0: giving people a, a big hearty salad for their lunch? Um, I think we were probably the, the marker later into this this avenue. Like, I don't think there was anybody thinking. Ireland was ready for healthy fast food at the time when we came around in 2012. There was no no one else doing a full concept of healthy fast food. There was only um, people who would have salad as a side in in their dishes. They wouldn't focus on this being a whole, hearty meal. And we were the pioneers in Ireland, uh, I think, in bringing this to a concept where we feel a lot of people have now replicated what we're doing. Well, try to replicate the concept and that's just so showing that the consumer there is a demand there for this this kind of product
1: and when you you know you point out you started in 2012 is that right?
0: And yeah well we started actually in um, researching back in 2011 our first store opened in Bagot Street in May of 2012 and then that's what six years ago now six years and ago. how
1: many stores have you got now?
0: we will by the end of July uh, we will have 50 stores so we're 48 stores uh, one open in Patrick Street now yeah. this week
1: I mean is that Kind of pace of growth. It's not something that other chains have replicated. I mean, is it is it scary, or is it was
0: it that always what you'd hope to achieve? Well, we, I, we definitely visioned us being this big. Um, we didn't envision to go that fast so soon. Like we did, didn't open a store for two years really after we opened the first store. So we wanted to make sure we had all the bases and all the systems and processes in place before we went on to open our second store. And then we did that in twenty fourteen. And then we opened our tour store in 2015. And it was only at that time that we started hearing about international um, competitors that were in America and stuff looking to come into the Irish market. And we had two options we had to look at VC for to raise funding, or we were going to go on to the franchise model. So, the one option was basically taking an investor, and we would lose control of the business, and in a certain way, I wanted to keep control. It was basically my baby. I wanted to look after it. Yeah, of course. And uh, I wanted to see it grow. I was still working out how to make it grow as we were doing it. So the way we looked at it was, if we go the franchise route, we have the option of capturing the market as quick as possible. The brand will be the m- most well-known um, solid chain in Ireland. And that's what we looked at. It said, how do we get first to market? Because that was the key to being successful and getting there before everybody else was we decided then we drew up a plan we need to open up on every high street there is um, worth opening up in in Dublin and then we need to open up in all the major shopping centres and if if possible Dublin airport and universities and within 12 months we've done all that I mean that's an incredible story
1: I mean an an incredible pace of growth I mean was there any point I mean from, from, from three stores in 2015 to 50 today I mean it's kind of mind boggling on a certain level
0: yeah, it is. Like, we don't to do sixteen stores one year and nineteen stores the next year. It was, and probably already fifteen stores this year has been mind-boggling. But the hard work was done for twelve months before we even went doing that. We spent twelve months building this process of a franchise model that we can replicate and roll out and move on. But now we've come on to year six, and it's always a good thing to refresh a brand every five years in a facelift, and not just that. We're always every year looking to. Re- recreate the menu as much as we can and bring in new products and innovate. We always want to be the, the, the leader, not the follower, when it comes to being innovation with healthy food.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the, the, the things I noticed about um, your first shop when I saw it on, on Bagger Street for the first time. Um, I'd no sense that it was, you know, a standalone or a startup. I mean, it, it just felt like some kind of international franchise had just landed in Ireland and was uh, applying its know-how there. There was no sense that it was this was a guy mm-hmm. or a couple of guys, you know, mm. making it up as they go along. Or I suppose that's yeah. not what well, it was. It was, was that's
0: it. exactly what I wanted to achieve. Uh, so at the moment now it's kind of gone back where people like the mom and pop kind of style the cafe shop. But I wanted to envision this to go across Europe and maybe further and beyond. So I wanted to build it to look like a brand um, when it was just one store. So we could have opened up with brown paper bags, plain packaging. And all that, but we hired a, an external design team to come in and help us build a brand, to build something that would look like a, a brand that came in from overseas and it was bigger than it actually was. It wasn't just Brian and Andy to set up this one one little store in Bagger Street. And um, so, before we ever had a menu, we created the, the look and feel of the brand, the logo, and we felt that was so important for the longevity of the brand because we didn't ever see it as one store. So a lot of people set up one store and it goes well, and they open another, and then they never have the vision that it's going to be bigger than it is. So you have to have the dreams that you, you're going to be great and not just good.
1: You had scale in your sights, yeah, at, well, at the very beginning.
0: Yeah, my, my my goal is always to go as big as possible, and never to sell. As I was saying earlier, there, an entrepreneur that likes the, the startup element of the business so it's, it's important for them to stay excited and if you're just going to have one little story you're never really going to be that excited about that story Can I ask you, how old are you now? <laughs> I'm starting to get to the age where I don't <laughs> like telling Come me. on, come on I'm 32
1: on. 32 I mean, there'll be people out there who are absolutely sickened at the sight of a 32 year old with that much success I mean, do, do you feel like you're like you're young or like you've gotten there ahead of your time?
0: Um, Only when people say, say that to you, but I, I don't feel, I feel like I should be doing better than I am I don't feel like I've achieved my goal at all. I'm not even close to. So, um, but, you're, I, but if I'm 32 now, if I put another 10 years on to a 42, hopefully I'll be closer to where I want to be. But
1: the, I mean, there's, this you know, people of your age won't be anywhere close to uh, as far along the road as as, but as is, you've got. Is there any right or wrong in that? No, no, no. none at all. I'm just trying to get a sense of, of of how you kind of gauge your own success.
0: Yeah, well, I, I don't gauge it against people my own age. I gauge it. I gauge it against people that are older than me and, and have done more than me and, and, and I say to myself right there's my goal there's my target I need to shoot higher than I'm shooting um, because if I gauge it against people that aren't my age am never going to grow I have to go shoot higher than I'm going at the moment
1: but some people I guess start measuring their, their professional career you know as soon as they leave uh, school or college university or whatever I guess uh, I because I've, I've read up a bit about you and you started much earlier than that. I mean, when do you kind of start consider your beginnings in business were? Well, looking back on it
0: now, I've everybody says we are always an entrepreneur. We just I, I do believe we're all born the same, and then we create our journeys along the way. But for me, if I look back, I had my first business card at the age of eleven, and only now that I have a son is he's nearly two in September. I start thinking. Imagine he coming into me now with a business card at eleven. I, I, was, I, I think it's great that I did that, but I, I didn't think that at the time. I was just looking to earn a few bob. Yeah. And get but out.
1: you doing it for yourself.
0: Yeah, I was doing yeah. it for myself, and I think maybe I was being around with my father, who works himself in the building. I always got this that mentality, and it was it was good. That's why I I call Logan my son now, my little apprentice. <laughs> it's a it's a good way to approach. Um.
1: So, what were you marketing yourself as? Oh, as an
0: eleven-year-old, we out with my friend. We with two lawnmowers. We went out and borrowed and bought money for. So we were just at the grass-cutting game now. But I don't see many young lads out of these days.
1: No, they're too busy playing Xbox and stuff like yeah, that, aren't they? we'll have to
0: sort that out. Yeah, well, there
1: weren't as many distractions probably back then.
0: Yeah, well, that's it. So like, now instead of grass cutting, they're probably building software. So we won't say there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. They'll be, they'd be millionaires
1: before any of us. And now you're selling chopped up growy things, or green things, I should say. Yeah. I mean, how
0: long did you keep up the grass cutting for? And I mean... Yeah, so, so, so that was obviously every summer. It was only a thing. A as the, yeah, there was a, something that... I, just keep my entrepreneurial spirits going when I was younger and uh, it was really when I was about 15 when I worked in the sparring shop um, and I, I met Andy my business partner now and shop so know each other a good long time and he's tried to flog me a phone cover probably mm-hmm. heard before um, and I just said I could sell a few of in the school and so on we went, I, we built a relationship and we, we end up importing a container load of this at 16 years of age and we 50,000 phone cover sold before they even landed in Dublin so they were kind of our first venture together if I would say and then we went on to there to open up a couple of convenience stores there before we ever did Chopped and the idea came from those convenience stores for Chopped
1: so you met Andy uh, working in a, in a spa and you started kind of formulating your, your, your ideas for your first business together yeah, well, there's not many people working by the counter in Skipman's Bar
0: well, take that was, i seen an opportunity this was a a, a Chinese uh, lad come in here he couldn't sell them because his English wasn't good enough and I was saying I can buy them We're saying price and sell them for more not, it's not rocket science it's nothing different than I'm doing now with Chopped I'm buying projects products in and I'm making a salad and selling it for a profit it's the exact same
1: so you started out with a couple of... Con- uh, well, uh, probably with one. Talk yeah. to me about your convenience store. Yeah, so factory. we had two
0: convenience stores. Uh, and we actually had them even when we started chopped. But it was actually from those convenience stores. I was still at the building game as a carpenter. And I invested into these stores. And I was a fitness fanatic. And I'm, myself and Andy we used to meet up every every second, third week in hotel lobbyways, trying to think of ideas. Can we use the Chinese link, bring stuff over, what we can do? Every, for years we were doing this trying to think of ideas on how to break it yeah and uh, I just said I have this idea I said I wouldn't eat that muck that comes out of that deli I wouldn't put it near me it's 40% chicken fillets or whatever whatever's in them I said I was in Australia and I said and the people over there are so health conscious I said it's only a matter of time before the Irish people start caring about what they put in their body now think about it. this is 6 years ago hmm. the year of the chicken fillet roll and Basically, people wanted it, didn't really care what they put into their bodies. You have a small pocket of people. So when we put calories on the menu, when we came up with the brand, people were like, whoa. And now, six years on, that's not a big thing anymore. That's a they a lot places, isn't they it? Want, they want to know what the. Yeah. They want to know what's the breakdown of those calories what's the macronutrients and that just shows you the consumer now is becoming more educated every year and more health conscious which is a great thing like I see kids of 7-8 years of age in chopped eating salads even younger the, the local priest the postman you, you wouldn't imagine that 6 years ago no because salad wasn't what it was back then Yeah, well, or what it is well like people weren't that health conscious never yeah. mind salads but people weren't that hell conscious and now people are getting more educated and they care about their bodies and care about how long they're going to live but that wasn't on the agenda and you've got your battered mars bars and deep fried this and so everybody likes a treat now yeah and the
1: breakfast roll man is he, uh, has he gone away is he still knocking
0: around well, there'd be always be a market for it like. Um, but I don't think it's a five day a week thing Like people can treat themselves once and twice a week and there's nothing wrong with that but it's if you're doing the, anything it's in moderation
1: can I ask you about about Andy? Because, you know, he's a chap you've known since you were 15 and you talked about, you know, uh, you know working hard to try and find uh, something really innovative together.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, how much of your success is born out of the idea or, or that partnership,
0: which is obviously a very strong one? I think it's all down to the partnership. Like, the idea is one thing, but without the people, it's nothing. So I could have a million great ideas, but if I don't have the right people to make them work they're not going anywhere like myself and Andy built over 16 years I've built a great friendship but also an understanding of what he's good at what I'm good at and we don't push work uh, over to his desk to my desk that doesn't make sense I know his area and what he's good at and he sticks to that and I know what I'm good at and we both come together as a team and we make the final decisions on things
1: So you finally came up with this idea for 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 Chop to chain of salad bars um, what did you know though about the, the food industry before you, you got into it I knew how to eat it that's about it
0: <laughs> that's about it and that's the beauty about being an entrepreneur you don't need to be expert in what you're going to do you need to you need to have a vision passion and drive on where you want to go but you, if I want to open up a totally different business I don't need to know the business but I need to have a vision and I need to have a plan and how to execute it I didn't know how to develop a, a culinary menu I brought in Rory Moran, the Druid chef, to help me build that menu. And he put in lots of Irish flavours and how we were going to make this tailored to the Irish market. And that's what he he was best at. Then when I went franchising, I brought in franchise experts. I never built a franchise model before, so I needed people to advise me and help me. So eventually we built a team. And Chopped now, there's over 750 people now working for Chopped.
1: I mean, seeing as, as, as you weren't involved really in the food business before, um, how much did you really throw yourself into it? I mean, were, were you, oh, chopping, were you chopping, chopping yourself?
0: For three months, we yeah. owned Baggy Street. I chopped every lunch break behind the counter. I was in I understood every single dish every single recipe every single product I had to learn Rory was very insistent that I needed to be involved and he was right because I needed to understand my own product I needed to be involved and now we're six years on I know everything there is about our products and everything there is to do Um, every menu decision that's ever made I'm hands on involved in with with the chefs so there wouldn't be anything signed off without me tasting it so that's how involved I am on it
1: and the more you grow, though, it must get a, a bit harder to be kind of in touch with the front line. I mean, there's there's lots of uh, business leaders who do really make the time to, to kind of just get out there on the yeah. front line again and, and, and learn from the customers that they're, the rest of their staff are, are speaking to every day.
0: Is that approach approach yeah. you believe that, in as well? Yeah, I do agree with it. Um, it is very hard because we're on a massive expansion route at the moment. So like, we have two stores opening in two weeks. So to... There's a lot of work that goes in behind all that to get them stores up and running. So for me to get to every single store there on the day they open and move things around, it is hard, but I make sure I get to every store. And uh, the beauty about social media now is that you hear from the customers in rapid time if things aren't right. So that's the beauty. You're you're engaged with what's going on in the stores more than you've ever been. So before social media uh, was ever involved... I would say you'd be on the road 24-7 driving to those stores checking now you, I do have teams quality insurance people checking on these stores but for me I would be driving non-stop to all these stores or up in the length bre- breadth of the country yeah. but with social media you can you can tap into that on a daily basis
1: it's a mixed blessing though isn't it because I suppose well it lets you speak directly to your customers and hear directly yeah. from them uh, people are probably more motivated to post on social media when they've had a bad there experience there is and,
0: uh, but th- you have to take that the good with the bad and yeah. you have to take it as it's something that you need to fix if there's these complaints coming in so if you ignore them you won't have a business there in, in the long run to look after so if there is complaints coming through you got to act on it and follow follow through on it you're moving into the UK now isn't that right we're moving into the UK now and we're lo- going to launch our first store now in Manchester Piccadilly Square in August so we're very excited about that. We've just signed on the dotted line this week.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's very exciting. And w- when you move into a new market like that, you must have to kind of create this whole... Because, I mean, you know, uh, take McDonald's, for example. There's a whole ecosystem, a whole supply chain there yeah. that serves all these different uh, McDonald's stores, most, many of which are franchises. And they have, you know, uh, whole farms that are dedicated yeah. to just supplying stuff for them. What's it like trying to start that off with well, a blank canvas in a market like the UK? Well,
0: we have to start all over again. So we're we just, as we are now, there is a lot of things that we can learn from what we've done here again. So we will have a numerous new suppliers that we'll use over there. We're going to use local suppliers, local um, farmers and local logistics. But there is a couple of products that we will be bringing over from Ireland because it's close quarters. Um, so we've been six to eight months now building up our supply chains before we open building those relationships cross-checking the all the quality of the products so there's a lot of work that goes in again behind the scenes before we get to actually open a store
1: and are you shaking up the format at all for the UK or shaking up the menu
0: yeah so we we have a new menu change coming now in, in September so we're adding in hot, fi- hot proteins into our all our counters um, going forward from September so we will have hot chicken proteins can be added to your salads and we're bringing in hot rice boxes and various different items so the the look feel going forward will be more towards our new Smithfield uh, 2.0 look Right. which is quite uh, a relaxed environment people like to go there and work chill and, and eat one of those third space places well they're a the neighbour
1: yeah yeah indeed, <laughs> indeed you had the market all to yourself um, here in Ireland when you started out you haven't got it all to yourself in the UK there's a few kind of uh, should we say pretenders over there what's going to be different about like the difference between you and, and, and what they do
0: well, you have to go over a few USPs. Um, so our power here is being forced to market, great product, great taste, and everybody knows our brand. Um, so over there, we're coming not forced to the market. So we now have to play catch up. So we have to show them our product is more superior than theirs. You're getting better value for money, and our chicken marinades will be a USP. Our dressings will be a USP. But ultimately, our tears are food so our chopping of salads when we put the men's do a little bit no one else does that putting on a show for people it's a bit of showmanship if there. and I would save 3% on my labour cost if I cut that out of the line but we wouldn't be chopped we'd be a different concept we'd be a normal salad bar just assembling salads with pre-chopped ingredients where I think the flavours come together when it is chopped in front of you and blends all those flavours together absolutely
1: Brian Lee fascinating stuff stay with us on the Architects of Business because I've still got to ask Brian about his ambitions for how much Chopped can grow and how almost anyone can help with that growth through franchising you're listening to the Architects of Business on Joe in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year visit EOY.ie to find out more about the programme and this year's finalists get in touch mail us on the Architects of Business at Joe.ie Brian how does it feel now what's it now uh, seven years after you started working on this concept to see the kind of the name above so many doors and that uh, format being rolled out and being being so popular I mean do you take time to to, to think about what you've achieved so far
0: well sometimes no I don't it is a proud moment when you you drive drive from one end of the street to another and see three of your shops but yeah no it's a proud moment Uh, I don't take uh, enough time to appreciate it to be honest and I probably should i just uh, probably head down driving on to the next one too focused on seeing four or five in the same stretch yeah I just well not that <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> cannibalise it now not that much Yeah. no but yeah. I, no, I, I need to appreciate it and it's only when people actually say something to you that you, you take a moment and say oh yeah we are on something good is there a risk with the franchise model uh, you know putting your format into other people's hands is so there a risk for me yeah yeah big time or what is it Risks that they don't—they run it into the grounds, and they get a bad name for the brand, and they don't follow uh, operating standards, and they don't do what you've you've told them to do, and you don't—they don't even operations manual, they don't follow the letter to the law. Now, the product will always be the, the same because they will use our supply chain, but there, there's a slight risk they would deviate and order a wrong product, but that that's that's to be noticed very quick. It's more about the human error. And having the customer behind the counter or the manager in the store, not run that store to the standard. So it's mm. the the game is on us to be quality control check and keep doing our audits and keep in touch with our customers because our customers let us know before we will ever do any audit when there's something goes wrong.
1: The quality control must must begin at the very right beginning when when you're approached or you speak to somebody about yeah. franchising it. I mean, what are the criteria that you're uh, that you're looking for?
0: Well, we never sell sell franchisees. That's for we never. we we award them so if anyone is looking for something we have a list of people there 200 people have inquired uh, every month and we look at them and we assess them A are they going to be an owner operator B have they got experience in this industry so it was massive advantages they've got a previous experience in operating in the field and if you're coming there someone from a technology business and just would like this as a hobby kind of business for their, their wife It's not really ideal for us. We're not at a stage where we have one or two stores, and we're looking to expand. We're at a stage where we're fifty stores, and we now want to cherry pick the the key uh, franchisees to take the remainder ones.
1: I mean, it's it's one of those things. You're looking for people who probably have the same kind of energy that you you have yourself. But I mean, if somebody had the same energy as as you have they, they, they'd be doing it for themselves well, you know, I've
0: got to offer that question I got asked that question a few times basically why would I open one of your franchises and I can just do it myself and I, and I say off you go if it's that easy everyone would do it so it's not that easy that's the question and you're not investing into just a Salabar you're investing into the brand and that's what people really get involved in and they're reliant on us to keep the brand innovative and moving forward not to stay stale Mm. so that's our job is to stay on top of the game
1: yeah have there been any any blips along the way where you kind of your plan was thrown off track
0: uh, no there would have been one or two uh, franchisees maybe that over the past I, I would have probably had a second guess I don't think they were up to scratch and they don't care enough about the business it was more of a side investment and maybe I shouldn't have took that I've had one or two locations along the road I, I've made the wrong judgement on I don't think they were right locations um, and if I had to rethink them I probably would have are, are they still there are yeah, they still open yeah they're still open but like it, it just a different part of the road can make a big difference just around the corner can make a massive difference in this kind of business so they were the earlier days when you think about it you're just want you're, you're eager to get these franchises opened stores open want to grow but now if you had a the time and experience I have under my belt now I take a bit more time to analyse the location instead of being hungry for for more stores
1: and how do you deal with um, a franchisee that you later realise hasn't really got the right uh, the right ingredients
0: well you try and talk to them and, and see can you you come to an arrangement with them and uh, if they're it all depends on what the situation is if they're running the store badly you've you got to you've got to operate uh, the store to a certain standard so you 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 put in your manager. So when in your franchise agreement within 2 weeks, put in your manager and you take over that store and run it to the standard. And that's where you got to protect yourself in your franchise agreement. If someone's running your store and running your brand into the ground, you got to take control of that ASAP. And um but if if someone is breaking other terms, not not paying fees and dumb things. Um and there's no reason for not, you got to close them. Have you done that? Yeah, we, we've been close. We've been close. Yeah. Right. So, thankfully, not that close. No, and hopefully, we don't. Everybody uh, doesn't put us in that position. What's it like doing business with you? I would like to say I'm reasonable, um, unless something goes wrong. So, if everything goes to the, it goes the way they're supposed to, be, like, uh, and everybody does what they said they're going to do, mm. we're all reasonable. But if it, if you're going to damage my brand, which I call my baby, mm. well, I wouldn't like to. You wouldn't like to be on the receiving end of no, that. I yeah. would like that. Have you got
1: higher standards than most people? Do you think?
0: I, you would have to be. You'd have to have higher standards of your own business. Um, I would definitely have a higher standards than every one of my franchisees on what they would expect out of the business. But that's only normal, and I don't expect them to have a high standards. I get them. T- I expect them to buy into the brand and buy into the culture and buy into the future of, of what we're building
1: so in the business world you're, you, you know you've got such high ambitions um, who are the business people out there that you really admire and that you're you're aspiring to to replicate the success of
0: well I don't aspire to replicate anyone's success I'm, gonna, I'm on my own journey that's for sure um, I won't be looking to replicate anyone's um, when I was growing up I always followed Richard Branson's journey I read his book I know that's a high and floyd name to, to say but I did follow his story and I found it admiring and very resemblant of some of the things in his younger days he did and I took great um, encouragement from that seeing that he started from nothing and got to where he is now I started from nothing and got to where I am I grew up in Cabarica local council state and I'm only looking to go further than I have done at this stage my father and his grandmother they came from worse beginnings than I did I always remember a story my father telling me that his mother grew up in an orphanage and she, she used to queue up for soup kitchens. Mm-hmm. So I just think about every generation doing a little bit better than the one before, and, and that's all we can ask. It's a uh it's a, I mean, you're well on your way. Yeah, and if it all goes belly up in the morning, I'll just get back on the horse and go again.
1: Yeah, and you've tried. I mean, you, you say that there's no entrepreneurs in particular that you're kind of aspiring to replicate the success of, but I mean you know you're in the food sector you're mm. in the kind of primarily the lunchtime sector I mean what about McDonald's what about Subway
0: yeah I'd, like ideally I'd love to replicate what McDonald's done who wouldn't um, and that's that's a, a long ter- term goal let's let's see can we uh, replicate what you have we are in talks with um, a few people in China now this is early talks at the moment and if we cannot break into China you could put a thousand, a thousand locations in China instead of 50, 60 stores in Ireland. So we are in in, uh, in secondary talks now with, with China. And is that with a kind of a local investor or...? Um, it's actually with a, a few people that are involved in shopping centres at the moment. So uh, that's as much as I can give you. Would that involve you seeding some level of control? Yes, it would involved
1: a, a JV. Right, and is that something you're kind of minded to do or...?
0: Because you were well, talking with earlier. Uh, well, as uh, you know Andy is Chinese so he he has told me you can't go into China without having someone on the ground yeah he's he's well connected in there and you cannot do business in China very well unless you have people on the ground connected
1: and if it's a difference between having 50 stores and maybe 100 in the next few
0: years or I'd rather own 50% of 500 stores than 100% of one store hmm
1: well, we uh, wish you the best of uh, the best of luck with that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's
0: a, a long burner, so don't expect to see any headlines. So.
1: Okay, okay. I mean, you've been talking a lot about your upbringing and um, how you were conditioned into doing what you've ended up doing. I mean, is a lot of it to do with your upbringing and people who've influenced you, or do you think is is entrepreneurialism kind of? in your genes along with risk taking and the I'm
0: like. To, this is a hard one it's always debated at any kind of entrepreneur talks I've been at uh, it's one that's debated are you born an entrepreneur or can you become an entrepreneur it's a hard one to say I, I don't have the magic answer but I do think it's a bit of your personality and it's a bit of who you are but for me I definitely feel it's been around my father and working from listening to his conversation when he's in work from five or six years of age, every summer holiday I was brought to work with him. Uh, was there a sweep on the floor? But every conversation he had with every client, I was kind of around listening. And that obviously absorbed inside me and for me wanting to do something myself. What does he think of what you're doing now? I think he's very proud. <laughs> you no know, parents, they don't like to express it too much, but I think they're very proud. Yeah, no doubt.
1: So you're part of a kind of a a community now of successful entrepreneurs the entrepreneur of the year uh, alumni and um, what kind of strength do you find from from talking to other entrepreneurs about their experiences
0: yeah when i became part of the alumni in 2016 and um, i found it was really beneficial to when we went away to boston that there was no egos success didn't create egos and that was really reassuring because people always say to me do you uh you're still the same person you were here when I knew you 10 years ago So why would I change because well, you're doing so well but why would I change because I'm doing well but that reassured me when I went away with those people that they're, they are all doing 10 times better than me and doing well for themselves and they're they're still so humble and it wasn't about measuring who who was doing better or not but it was really good to gain the knowledge and experience of the highs and lows of people's business and build a network of people that are willing to help each other out if like I'm in trouble in the morning I know there's at least 20 30 50 people that I could reach out for help in the morning on my business and advice the they're neither your friends many of them have become very good friends and I've now started to do business with with two of them
1: so you can you found a way of kind of using
0: it as a launch pad for growth yeah, it's, it's a network now where you can you can help each other out advise have fun do business together so we've just done business now where Trevor Annan uh, of Mount Charles. So Trevor was a finalist on s- last year. So we met in San Francisco on the DOI retreat. And we're in that year, we've done a, an exclusive deal for Northern Ireland. And he's scheduled to open six or eight uh, chopped locations. So that's been a, a great uh, outcome for me being involved in it. Absolutely.
1: You were talking about, you know, your own humility and that of the other... Uh, entrepreneurs in the in the EOI scheme. Do you th- do you think is that a kind of a choice? Because you know, success or the, even the perception of success, it does change some people. Uh, have you decided you want to really keep I'm, in touch with the person you've always
0: been? It does change people if if they allow it to change them. Like I, I will always be the same person I am. Like you'll change to a certain degree. You become more smarter and educated, but your core values and who you are and who you grown up. Unless you don't like that person, you grow up. <laughs> Like I like who I am And I don't feel I need to talk a certain way Or be a certain way Just because I do Do better in business Like That's a bit fake and It's not being true To who yourself is So I enjoy the people I grew up with I'm still friends To this day with them And nothing will change is that something that's doesn't ju- mean you can't have new friends?
1: Yeah, but is that something that's just important to you? Well, that's
0: very important for me.
1: But do you think is it actually also uh, helpful in in building
0: yeah. yes. um, th- the type? I of I think to stay grounded when it, as you're going through the, the motions in business was very important because you can lose the run of yourself. You need to stay grounded. If you don't stay grounded, you can just your business could go off in the wrong way. You're getting too excited about everything going well, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you could hit a pitfall you need to stay grounded and be prepared for all the different ups and downs that are on the way
1: and family and friends keep us grounded as well don't they you were talking about they your, definitely your, li- your little apprentice yeah. I mean do you, how old is he now he's 20 months 20 months yeah. I mean how has life changed since he came along And them, uh, in terms of how much you get time you get to spend when you get
0: bags on your waist see them wrinkles they weren't there 20 months <laughs> was that a lack of sleep or just yeah, kind of it's a bit of both yeah. yeah no he's a he's a little devil he's full of energy so it, for me it's changed my whole outlook now the business now was, was more about making a success and being proud of something I built and now it's like I want him to be proud of me so it's kind of changed my perception I, I and that's true I do want him to be proud of me and so every father would
1: but what about time management and staying in touch with him
0: yeah that's that's, that's the challenge and especially at a young age where you build a bond with the child to to go along I find it he's gone to bed at 8 I need to make sure most nights I'm home before he goes to bed and see him have a little play and I can always go back to work at home as soon as he goes to bed if I need to so I try my best where I could work till 8 to 10 at night 9 at night but now I'm trying to get home play with him for an hour do what I have to do and give as much of my weekends as as possible to him
1: it's a, a very kind of regimented approach which is a good thing because yeah. lots of people talk about sacrificing their personal life for their business life is there you got to do a bit of that but are you well. sacrificing a little bit of the business day now to to, to spend time with him
0: I am uh, yeah and he's worth it every bit of it <laughs> uh, no I am I'm sacrificing a bit purely because of what my own mother taught me that you build a bond with the child when he's young and I feel it's very important for me to give my child an hour before he goes to bed is that really sacrificing that much yeah. no As I said I can work an extra hour when he goes to bed instead of me staying at home or oh, I don't want to get caught in the traffic or whatever I try and pl- plan my day around him now instead of pl- plan the opposite way around work D- no it doesn't have work every day if, yeah. if something that needs needs me to attend to I will be there. it
1: so listen what does the next few years look like do you think
0: we we're obviously we're opened up in, in Cyprus now we've got we've got two more stores that we're locking down at the moment in Cyprus but we're looking at other international uh, countries to do partnership with so we want to open up um, international franchise in every every country in Europe if we can and further afield so I've been in Dubai in meetings in Dubai for Bahrain Saudi Arabia so if I can get any of these leads um, to blossom now i will be very happy
1: do you have a timetable in mind or kind of like a series of milestones you're trying to hit
0: um, with the international expansion I, w- I was hoping within two years now we would start opening up into new countries and that, that's that's the focus for international with the UK model now we will be going franchising from the end of this year to open up uh, start exactly what we've done in Ireland from franchising all next year hmm. so where we're opening three company owned stores um, ourselves Manchester and London and then we will uh, franchise out from them stores
1: where have you found the doors kind of most open or the most obstacles thrown in your way in terms of pushing into other markets
0: Um <laughs> no, no, no there, there's not really any obstacles out there for us um, the likes of we explored Scotland with a, with a few companies as well I feel that they are a little bit not ready for for chopped and so we've taken a step back on it and we'll focus more on the south of England we um, only know this when you go there and you walk the streets and you study the market I don't feel that they're ready for it as a mass market just call it a Mars Market. Yeah, I think
1: that's don't, what they're famous for up there, <laughs> isn't
0: it? Deep fried Mars bars. Yeah. I don't think. So. I don't think uh, Scotland is ready for it. As you're going to put twenty stores there, yeah. maybe one or two key locations it will work but the supply chain then you have to think about coming from the south of England to supply two stores. Is it worth opening two stores? Mm. So there's a lot of things to think about. It's not just open two stores.
1: And what about the you know the product itself, what Chop does? You were mentioning um, the, the the rice pots which are creeping in. That sounds suspiciously like carbs. Mm. <laughs> Carbs are good as well. Carbs are good. I know. Yeah, I know, you know. But I, just, I know you like a carb or two. Uh, you'd be right there. Yeah. But I mean, no, carbs answer? are
0: good. It's all about, like I was saying earlier, what are the good carbs or bad carbs? Yes. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with carbs. I eat carbs every single day. I'm not one yeah. of those f- people that the paleo don't do carbs. I love my carbs and oh, what do you think about the people who come in and they are still looking for kind of absolutely zero tolerance on carbs well that's the beauty of chopped it's a freedom of choice to the customer you've got over 100 ingredients they can choose whatever they like I think there was some mathematician done it out there you can have over a million combinations in chopped so there you go that's the you answer go. for them
1: carbs and otherwise lovely stuff Brian it's been a pleasure thank you very much thanks for having me good luck with it all
0: we'll, see, see where, we'll be back here in 12 months see where we are much bigger I'm sure <laughs> Please, God.
1: Thank you very much for joining us today on the Architects of Business. Special thanks, too, to our inspiring guest, Brian Lee, our producer, Patrick Hawhey, and all of the production team here at Joe. Our programme is made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. You can go to their website, eoy.ie, to learn more about the finalists for this year. And don't forget, you don't have to miss out on past or indeed future shows of the Architects of Business. You can subscribe for free on iTunes, on your favourite Android podcast app, or you can indeed watch the show on YouTube. While you're at it, make sure you check out some of Joe's other podcasts, including The Hard Yards on Rugby, the GAA Hour, and our movie show, The Big on next week's program when you sell a company to rupert murdoch well you know you've done something right i'll be talking to norman crowley who's done just that and a lot more so do join me then bye bye the architects of business on joe in partnership with the ey
0: entrepreneur of the year program telling the story of ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of ireland